everyone. My name is Jonathan Dormish. I am your host for Beyond, episode 584. I am joined this week by Max Scoville. Hey. Brian Altano. A star is born. <laughs> and Zachary Ryan. What's up? Hello. Welcome back to the show. It's, it's been, a, been a while. Yeah, it's nice to be here. How are you doing off in Switchland? I'm doing okay. Yeah? Yeah. Seem to have some games over there. Yeah, playing some good games. Yeah, but we're not here to talk about Switch. We're here to talk about <laughs> what's going on with PlayStation. Of course, we're going to talk about the state of play that just happened this past week in our weekly segment, News Crunch. Crunch. A lot going on. I'm always that always there. makes me sort of a little bit hungry and also a little bit aroused. You shouldn't be aroused by a child talking. No, and it's a the guy it's, making the noise the, of an apple. The funky guitar gets me randy. Okay, if you're able and to separate the, those layers, that's the word. One thing. The word crunch makes me get a powerful hunger for caramel and crispies. <laughs> All right. I Caramel and Krispies were not talked about on the PlayStation State of Play, but they did talk a lot about upcoming games for the PS4 and PSVR. So State yep. of Play was their first attempt, clearly, at a Nintendo Direct uh, to get into it of what was exactly shown before we break down how we felt about the event and the games actually discussed. They announced uh, Marvel's Iron Man VR coming to PlayStation VR in 2019. Uh, they announced... Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled is also getting Crash Nitro Kart content. No Man's Sky is getting a full VR support for PSVR this summer. They introduced a new game called Ready Set Heroes, which is a dungeon-calling multiplayer game. They confirmed Blood and Truth is coming out in May. They also announced basically eight release dates for another handful of PlayStation VR games. They showed a trailer for Observation. They announced Five Night at Freddy's VR. They took a look at Concrete Genie, where they also delayed it to the fall. They showed the Days Gone story trailer and gave us a story trailer for Mortal Kombat 11. So running down the list, it seems like there was a lot there. Yeah. But uh, based on the reaction that I have seen on social media, there has been a bit of a split in how people feel how this presentation went. Mm -hmm. So first of all, before I go into my thoughts about it and how the internet hated those thoughts, I wanted to know what you all thought about the presentation itself beyond the actual content. I thought the presentation was great. I think it was really nice, and I'm, I'm kind of excited at the idea of this being a regular thing. If this mm -hmm. becomes like the Sony version of a Nintendo Direct, I am all for it. But they 100% need to get in front of their messaging and let us know what we're in for, I think. Yeah, this was uh, exactly what we've been asking them to do, right? I mean, I think we came out of E3 last year being like, what was this like moving stage show across seven theaters that you guys did and then cut to a video podcast or whatever that was? It was kind of messy. Um, this is a lot more focused. I would have liked to have some human element to it. Nintendo's really good at that. Um, I would say my biggest takeaway here was that um, it sort of lacked a cohesive theme or focus, and it could have. I think this could have just been a PSVR direct state of play, and they could have done eight minutes, 12 minutes, and just been like, here's all our PSVR stuff. Here's a price drop. Let's get everyone excited. The fact that it was that bookended with some, a little more, I, I think they legally have to put Days Gone at the end of everything. <laughs> and then uh, the the final game they bookended it with, which was Mortal Kombat, which is a, you know, a known quantity. Um, it was cool. It was. It's a good step in the right direction. I, I think they set the bar pretty medium height. I think if they figured out sort of the, the formatting and they were like, here's what's coming out in the next month. Like, here are the big releases. Like, Mortal Kombat and Days Gone are arguably the two biggest games coming out next month. Mm -hmm. uh, but if they were like, hey, we've got a PSVR-centric Nintendo Direct, or not <laughs> State of Play <laughs> we'll coming up, then we're like, that gives us sort of a, a clue of what to speculate on. And that's... Uh, I don't know what's happening. What, I can't hear myself now. They're just fiddling oh. with knobs over here. That's better. Sorry, it's like getting a head it's cold that drifts fault. in and out. Yeah, um, but no, like I, I think if they if they'd been a little bit because we don't know what this thing is yet, like we don't know what a state of play looks like. So we were sort of like, is this going to be a Nintendo Direct? Is this going to be a whole E3 presser? Is this going to be three trailers? 
It was definitely good, but, but yeah. yeah. It seems like people's expectations were all across the board on this, and yeah. some people were really expecting a give us big reveals, give us a huge announcement, an update on Death Stranding or A Last of Us or things like that. Yeah, I think that was my my takeaway from this. Is like it seemed like a weird. It seemed like weird timing on their part to choose right now and these announcements as their first. Like I would have waited for something bigger to be like this is our first sort of direct style presentation mm-hmm. because it, coming out with this lineup, I think <clears throat> I think a lot of people were expecting with a new format meant bigger announcements. So I think you're they were kind of setting themselves up to disappoint from the outset, sure. which is a little strange. And also as somebody who works year over year on our E3 live show and works on programming and the content of that show. It's very alarming that these major companies are just doing these Their sorts of things, things now. So yeah. it's like, sure. yeah, uh, not, I mean, maybe not alarming is, isn't the right word, but it is definitely a concern. Yeah. I think instead of getting like a, a fireworks show, once a year, we're getting like sparklers we talk, <laughs> 12 we, times a year. We kind of talk about this a lot in the office about how E3 is becoming less and less of a uh, like a major event and more of like a fan driven thing. Yep. And like this just goes to show to me personally that this is sort of the trend that we're going to see. I think more companies are going to move in this direction. It, it's so much cheaper. It's got to be so much more cost effective to create these like micro packages and roll them out yeah. multiple times a year than renting out a major theater, booking satellite trucks, like coordinating all the event stuff that needs to happen for these big events and and putting together an hour plus of content and programming to roll out to millions of people at the same mm-hmm. time. When you can do it six times a year for a fraction of the cost, it's just it totally makes sense. It's also a good vehicle to to get some smaller known stuff out there that you probably, if you put it out during E3, I remember like when they were talking about like, uh, you know, PS minis and wonder book and stuff like that back in the day, people were like, get this off the screen. I don't want yeah. this. God, wonder book um, isn't a name that I thought about. Yeah. A hey, million uh, years. remember, remember PT. Remember exactly. that was like a thing that we're like, this is available now. And I was like, who cares? Move on to the next stuff. Yeah. Well, I, and so I think like what was kind of interesting about this is that like in without a, without a, a PlayStation conference last December without an E3 press conference coming up this June, there was, I wouldn't say unreasonably high expectations for what this state of play was, but I think that that, that put a little bit more weight on them. Um, you know, had like Nintendo is basically, they put out a bunch of directs. They have a press conference coming up. They don't have their own convention yet. I'm sure they will someday, but they're, they're busy enough. And like, if you look at their last few directs, not to compare because everybody's working on different stuff, but their last two directs, not including the Pokemon one, which was huge in its own right, you know, it took off on the internet. Uh, both were bookended with new installments and in arguably their second biggest franchise, mm-hmm. which is Legend of Zelda. Um, really easy to cover that show <laughs> over, over on, over on NBC. Whereas, this was sort of like, if we knew we were going to get another one of these every month, then it sort of lowers the the expectations a bit. And but I'm expecting one probably every like three months. Like I, they I said seasonal update. What did they say at the end? It was like just throughout the year. Yeah, throughout we'll, the year. Yeah, right? we'll be doing more of these. And yeah, the the expectations part of it is so fascinating to me because. I, Max, you were saying, and Brian, we've talked about off the air. I agree. Like the way they announced it in their post implied like, oh, this could be a really big thing. There are the embedded ideas of what a Nintendo Direct is mm-hmm. at the same time. But this has obviously not been conveyed to the whole audience. Like when they announced PSX wasn't happening and they announced they're skipping out of E3, those things came paired with Sean Layden interviews where he's like, we don't have enough big things to talk about right yeah. now. So we're not going to do those big scale events when we don't have that. Mm-hmm. So they have had some of that messaging out there, but th- that no way gets to people in the way that this announcement post does. Totally. I mean, E3, that should have been part of this. Yeah. E3 doesn't make sense 
in its current form anymore because games come out year round. They're yeah. not just a holiday release thing. And to do this thing quarterly or to do it monthly doesn't make sense either because if you're like, we're going to have you know a 20 minute thing in like in April when there's not a ton of stuff coming out, but here's what's coming out. And then they were like, if they're like, here's the November one. It's going to be three hours long. Yeah, like you're going to have to kind of stagger it and plan you know plan accordingly. But yeah. I like the idea of it being sort of. Um, I think themes are great. I think leaning yeah. into being like, hey, you know, we've got some you know huge first party stuff on the way, or hey, we're talking PlayStation VR, or I, yeah. yeah. I think that's my thing. Is like ultimately, I I think it's the right idea, and I think it's the right call from both like a financial and a marketing. Uh, aspect or, or view, um, I just think that it completely lacks the the wherewithal and the personality of a Nintendo Direct. That's exactly and, it. And I think that that Sony will get there. I think that we're seeing, you know, as the the very first of of probably many of these presentations, they're they've got a lot of kinks to work out, and I'm sure that they'll get there because they've put together some pretty entertaining presentations before, and admittedly some pretty weird ones as well. But I think it's just going to take a little time. This kind of felt like uh, like a promotional video that you would run in like a GameStop or a Best Buy. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's a really good point. And like yeah. the kind of thing where you can just sort of you don't have to listen to it, but you just kind of look up and you're like, oh yeah, new yeah. games are coming. Out. I watched this presentation while I was on a conference call for yeah. like on another meeting. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I do wonder if some of the like formatting of it was in, so in response to the negative attention they got for the E3 conference last year, which was so like lengthy and indulgent and yep. did have people talking, but it. Like it just went on and on and on instead of being to the point, and this was like so to the point that it then sucked any personality out of it. Yeah, and the thing is, like Sony or PlayStation specifically has a bunch of really great people working there. There are a lot of really personable people who are great on camera, who are great on stages, who can get up in front of a live show even when things are crashing and breaking, and they can do twenty minutes of pacing back and forth. You know, not even reading off a teleprompter or making it look natural. So having them look direct to camera. I know people would be like, oh, you're ripping off Nintendo Direct. Who cares? Just yeah. just get the message. I don't think they invented that and talked yeah. directly to a camera. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, no, and I mean, we, let's, let's not to sound like a Nintendo apologist or anything, but you can watch NBC every Thursday at 3 p.m. or listen to it. But um, I'm muting your mic. Uh, thank you. Uh, but uh, everyone has always copied Nintendo, right? Yeah. Nintendo has always done something first and everybody's sort of filed suit. So it totally makes sense that they would they would pioneer this direct format and then uh, you know everybody else would follow suit. I think that that one thing that Sony lacks right now is the ability to put those people out in front of camera or really identify who those people are. Yep. We see Sean Layton every year at E3, but like we don't see anybody from Sony Santa Monica. We don't see anybody from Sony Bend to really like as a spokesperson or even yeah. like a second, like a vice president or something. It's always just Sean or just voiceover or, you know. So I think they should bring out somebody in that Crash Bandicoot costume. I don't care if he's not the mascot. Give him the anymore. megaphone. Bring have it back. Why not? There. I have Send an important down. announcement to make. I'm leaving IGN. The official <laughs> you'd be Crash great because you'd be mascot. so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be in the Nintendo parking lot with that megaphone. You'd be like oh, whispering. Hey, like, you guys make great games too. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be mean about it, but I just we want, we've got some great VR titles on the really way. Really appreciate if you try uh, PSVR. Uh, security's here. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, Zach. Zach, I love that. I think like the idea of elevating those people, and we've all you know we've met them. They've been on our live shows sure. here. Like they're they're all great people working at those studios. Every one of those studios has outspoken, talented, smart motherfuckers, and like it'd be really cool to see them out there. I mean, we've had some of them on the show. Like Corey yeah. Corey Barlog's a great example. I, Brian I don't Inahar. understand. I don't understand why Brian and Corey wouldn't be like the front runners for that position. You yeah, know what I mean, like obviously they have other work to do. Like <laughs> You know, they're working on some first-party games, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. also, it, they just seem like those guys are like household names amongst PlayStation fans now. I don't understand why they wouldn't be chosen to deliver that messaging. Yeah, they could get it up there and read a script, and it wouldn't take like too they, much they time could come there and just be like, "Hey, we're excited for uh-huh. the state of play to do X, Y, and Z." Yeah, exactly. 
and It'd be make funny a fun if, boy joke. If, if like, like Brian Interhart came out and he was like, you know I love Spider-Man, but you know who else I love? Iron Man. Here's a game about <laughs> Iron Man made by a different studio. <laughs> I think it'd be really That'd be funny. Great. I, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of, <laughs> you know I love Spider-Man, but you know who else I love? Genies. <laughs> Let's take a look at this genie and concrete genie. Some have called Spider-Man the original concrete genie. Some. Not many. Anyway, here's concrete genie. I spent a lot of days at Insomniac, but I would only spend five nights at Freddy's. Here's five nights at Freddy's in VR. Um, God of War has lots of combat between mortals, but you know what else does? <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, to really focus on the positives here, I think it's awesome that they're doing this. I think the fact that, once again, we're going into a new year going... Major confidence in PSVR as a platform. That's huge. It shows they're not giving up on that. Again, I would have loved to see that book ended with a price drop. There, there are like that a bunch of people who are just kind of like, D- when do I buy this? Yeah, you know, that they so didn't announce a sale. It's so funny because like so many, I saw so many reactions on Twitter that were just like, oh, it's just PSVR games, and it's like, hey. You guys are missing out. Yeah, like yeah. The, the, those of you with that attitude, like you're missing out on really cool stuff yep. because you've dismissed this pla- entire part of this platform. We had two yeah. Game of the Year nominees last year. That That's were right. Either yep. PSVR solely or very heavily yeah. involved. I think it's yeah. it's very easy for gamers to go like, "That's expensive and stupid, and I don't want to wear it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna Look, cast it aside." But like, it's not going away. Look at the reaction to Stadia last week. Like, yeah, I don't want to like I don't want to get us too far off topic, but like. Nobody knows what that thing is really about. Yep. But the, the reaction was overwhelmingly negative. And it's like, hey, a year from now, you might be looking at it like, oh, this is actually a like, viable concept and I'm interested. Well, so. I think a lot of gamers reacted to that like if like the government was like, hey, we're taking your guns. Yeah. <laughs> like that was, that was a lot of people being like, Google was like, you don't even need consoles or games anymore. And people were like, fuck you, I don't. <laughs> And so to that, I understand a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was sorry. it last week we just went kind of overboard talking about No Man's Sky? Yeah. And I don't regret that one bit because them just being like, oh, by the way, it's entirely PSVR compliant mm-hmm. is it's like... a completely different way to experience that game. Yeah. I've been it's hoping... A new game. I've been hoping yep. they would do that since, I think, before they launched when mm-hmm. I was like, I think it's going to be a VR game. Yeah. Lo and behold. Yeah. Finally. That, that was, I think, one of the biggest announcements. And had they fronted this as, this is a PSVR, <clears throat> excuse me, state of play... And bookended with Iron Man and No Man's Sky. Oh, God, yeah. like, it's about setting expectations, yeah. right? Like nobody gets disappointed in Nintendo Direct when they don't announce a new Mario game when it's a Pokemon Direct. Yeah, or and they're really good about that. And it's always just like two sentences in yeah. an email to everybody, to the press and to the public. They'll go like, "Hey, we have a Direct coming out this Thursday. It focuses on Fire Emblem and Nintendo 3DS." And you're like, "Wow, I just moved the goalposts right yeah. down yeah. the field on what this right. thing could be." Whereas this announcement was PS4 and PSVR games, new game announcements and gameplay footage yeah so you're like okay days gone for gameplay footage yep probably concrete genie because it was supposed to come out in the spring but maybe days death stranding or maybe the last of us like that there is an inborn like oh they could do this yep and they didn't yep. um wait m- one question to you yeah. guys do they do one of these at e3 not I, at not at you i don't think say so around. before yeah after. i would say before yeah. after, probably before because yeah. they before said would make a ton of sense yeah. they said yeah. no press conference <laughs> But they did pull out of the show floor too, as far as I know, right? Like, yeah. I think they just said they're not going to E3 at all. Mm-hmm. Who was, were they doing, uh, excuse me if I don't remember this right, were they doing like pre E3 stuff? Who was doing pre E3 like reveal stuff? Uh, what do you mean? Like, um, there was some. Oh, yeah. Sony last year did like okay. a week of pre E3 right. mm-hmm. announcements. Like Judges so, yeah. Week stuff or? Not even Judges Week. It was just like, it was trickling in like the things oh, that would get yeah, lost yeah. on the, on yeah. the way. So that would be, that's super smart if you're going to, if there's going to be stuff on the floor whether it's at their at, at, I guess they don't have a booth but like if they have you know third party stuff if they want to announce things if they want to just kind of signal boost things that are out there mm-hmm. 
then they get in front of the messaging, and it's sort of like, here's what to look for. Like, take, mm-hmm. you know, check this out. It'll well, be. That's, I mean, if you consider the promotional space on a website like IGN, right? You have five or four slots in your like front page, and then a bunch of like blog roll tiles. And when you're a company at E3 and you're announcing on the Monday or Tuesday of a five-day run, you're competing for those let's say 10 slots with every other developer and publisher at the same exact time. Yep. So Bethesda announcing Fallout 4 in the middle of October or whatever or like uh, Red Dead, right? Like puts them outside of that conversation and then all of a sudden you see IGN and Kotaku and Polygon with yep. five stories about Red Dead and four stories about Fallout and not, you know, this mm-hmm. competing space. Yeah, I mean, so E3 it, made a ton it, of sense in yeah. 1995 when video games came on cartridges. Right. There were about 75% less of them, and they only came out between September and December. And you read about them in magazines. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Those things yeah. that they sold at Walgreens. Like It's also <laughs> like if you look at, like, the, you know, the the resources that the average YouTuber has to even cover this, even cutting out traditional media people, they're, they're going to make all please their no. big videos. Yeah, please no. <laughs> um, but they're going to make all their videos that day. We're YouTubers too, you know? Yeah. Um, we, we have a little YouTube channel. Um, I lo- but they're going to run out of steam. Watch that. Sorry. Stop Side that. note, we published the uh, Los Angeles episode of Fast Travel last year in the middle of the Ubisoft press conference update too. I have no idea who all that was. That was, uh, that was tough to watch. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one where like, had this been, had they still done an E3 press conference and all of this was part of it you would have been like why why did they have an yeah, yeah, press conference totally. so i understand and then someone on twitter said to me they were like why didn't they just put up seven different videos on youtube so i could watch the trailers for these and it's like you wouldn't watch them. you wouldn't watch them. yeah they, that's exactly yeah, you nailed it they do need to set up expectations properly but they also know that if you, they just put up seven trailers in the morning yeah no one's gonna watch five of them well that was like that nindy's direct thing you watch every one of those games because you don't know what's going to come next there's that sort of surprise box mm-hmm. to it yeah um, which i really i love that i really love that because and i've said this before and the same thing the store the storefronts the digital storefronts do the same thing, where it gives your game the same amount of real estate, uh, whether you're Zelda or Mario or Crash Bandicoot or The Last of Us or, you know, the genie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I went to, moving just right along from that, I went to the <laughs> Podcast Beyond Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash podcast beyond to ask people how they felt about the first PlayStation Direct. Uh, got a large variety of responses. Uh, Connor Weir just posted a cat shaking its head no gif. Uh, Dan Cool said, I loved it. I think it's funny. People thought we were going to get surprise announcements when we basically know everything else coming this gen, other than some release dates that the devs themselves don't know yet. Right. A lot to be hyped for if you own VR. No Man's Sky made my pants tingle, and you can quote me on that. What does that mean? I don't want to know. Uh, I saw wash, the pants. wash your pants. It's weird that the pants tingle. Do you think there's some kind of debris in the pants? <laughs> Do, oh, also, these are like sentient pants with nerves? I don't understand. <laughs> are they fleece lined? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Muhammad, <nerve> Hadid. <laughs> Muhammad Hadid said just okay observation and concrete genie got put on my wish list already in for MK11 days gone back to back next month the mm-hmm. VR stuff when you know the PS5 is coming soon and VR would be an order of magnitude better than what we have now it's hard to put down the money for one just now though. that's a really good point yeah I mean we don't know what that looks like we're still controlling those games with move controllers that came out in 20 fucking 10 yep it's, it's use, so use a different type of plug yeah Exactly. Uh, I love I love PSVR. I'm so like I'm so ready for a different one. Me too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Me too. Even with like I'm excited for I think they showed like nine or ten VR games. I'm excited to play like at least eight of them. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would love for that tech to just keep if, advancing. If they really launch like a truly wireless version of that system with with updated controls, like goddamn. Yeah. That's that would perfect. Be very cool. Um I mean that's a game changer. I know. Like, yeah. If they if they did that because 
the PlayStation name is so uh, sort of ubiquitous, yep. right? Like, I, I think that, that the idea of making a streamlined wireless VR headset would completely change the way that people think about not just PSVR, but like VR in general. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. I mean, it's the best-selling VR kit currently, and that's yeah. with big players out there constantly iterating on their systems and taking out you know massive ad revenues taking over entire trade shows like yeah. Oculus is you know that is that has become a formidable name but PlayStation is PlayStation yeah the know? Oculus Quest coming out being wireless I'm curious to see how that moves the needle as well mm-hmm. uh, yeah they announced PSVR has sold through 4.2 million units That's yeah. much as of That's March huge. 3rd which is great the last update I think was 2 million yeah. yep. so clearly that holiday sales saw a huge spike mm-hmm. Um, but that is still a small segment of the 90 plus million PS4. That's what, owners. like 5% or something? Yeah, it's yeah, it's a small drop. It's, it's like 40% of all the Wii U sold to, which is weird when you put it that way, because yeah, that's, that's, that's a catastrophical failure, yeah. effectively. Um, but so, yeah, looking forward, what do you all want, just to go quickly back to it, what do you all want to see either in the cadence of these and the format of these? What is like one really big thing you want them to keep from this initial one? What is something you want to see them change, Zach? I think highlighting um, a broad spectrum of titles, you know, like something, something like Concrete Genie and something like Mortal Kombat in the same announcement or the same t- like timeline is really interesting to me. Um, but I, I think that the biggest miss for me was the, just the lack of personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brian, what about you? Yeah, uh, just a cohesive theme, I think, or at least something, some umbrella-shaped thing where they can be like, these are what this is, what you can expect, and there might be some other stuff, but. Something like that, just to go, it's PSVR, it's indies, or it's like, here's what all of our third-party friends are working on. Something like that. Yeah. And Max? I think it was really promising. Um, I think a little more personality wouldn't hurt. I think once they've kind of, they've, again, found their cadence and found their, you know, their strong suit, they got to realize that there is inevitably going to be people who tune in regardless of what it's about. Uh, but to make stuff that's sort of, you know, for the the more casual fair-weather people being like, hey, mm-hmm. here's a special Death Stranding, whatever, you know, and then it's... You know, make yeah. it more targeted. Yeah, I would love to see the forum take whatever steps it needs to. So maybe they do a Last of Us state of play for 10 minutes, one month down the line. But mm-hmm. another is just PSVR, things like that. I would love to see them do that. But I did really love seeing like Falcon Age and Trover Saves the Universe and all these things that I think look really great, but probably most mainstream audiences would not have seen otherwise. Right, uh, right. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how the state of play is going forward. But for games you can actually play right now, we obviously want to talk about Sekiro. Shadow <sighs> twice. Uh, I know... There's a lot of love for this game in the office. I have not gotten too far in it, and I'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to take the temperature of you guys about how you're feeling about it, obviously in regard to Bloodborne as well. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about that. Zach, would you like to start? As uh, our sure. Guest of um, I love Sekiro so much. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm a FromSoft guy. Um, I kind of I came into it at Bloodborne and then have gone back and played Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2 and 3 and um, multiple times. And I like I love their games. I think they're a singular developer and Sekiro is no different. It it really takes the formula that they built on in Bloodborne and, and sort of turns it on its ear and refines it further. And it it is a fantastic game and mm-hmm. it is so super challenging and so like frustratingly difficult and ultimately so incredibly rewarding and just gorgeous to look at. I'm I'm loving it. So yeah, I'm a, just uh, like McDonald's. <laughs> I I adore this game. Um, I'm in the same boat. It's um it's it tingling my jorts, oh. as that man would say. Mm-hmm. No, it's a it, what what it's doing really well that I'm I'm I wasn't really expecting is it's giving me that same sort of uh, palpable fear that I had turning corners in Bloodborne of being like, 
what's here? What's around the corner here? Like, what is this building? What's, you know, am I going to get surprise attacked? Um, I, I have an interesting relationship with it because I sometimes sit down to play it and feel like I'm a God and I'm awesome. And then I come back like the next day or a few hours later and I'm, I forgot how to parry and I I, like had a counter and I find that really interesting, but I, um, I've been playing it like I played Bloodborne, which is running up and down the first few or three or four areas repeatedly to grind like crazy to improve. Uh, IGN has a bunch of really great videos out about, you know, stuff you should do first and like cool tips. One thing I will point out on the first skill tree in that game, if you save up uh, to the third level, there's something that costs five points that gives you health for every time you sneak attack someone. I, I ground out last night and yeah. bought that on your recommendation. It's and immensely it changes the helpful. way I play the game. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's so much better. Yeah. It doesn't feel like you're just constantly bleeding out like a stuck yep. pig. Like, you always have a chance to sort of like recuperate a little health. Um, going into boss encounters, I, I find myself like not entirely great at countering most of the time um it's rhythmic and i'm and i'm getting better at it but i do find that there's a lot more room for error than i thought there would be in terms of like cheesing some of these bosses and some of the like you can kind of just jump in the air and be like yeah yeah <laughs> stab them a lot and back yeah, out it, and- it's funny i've been playing it so we i guess we should probably back up so for those of that aren't in the know Mm-hmm. Sekiro is a ninja action game from from software that is, you know, sword and board essentially without the board. Like you're blocking and deflecting and yeah. parrying, like, uh, and you get these things called death blows and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I I found myself dying over and over and over again to this this mini boss last night, and it was getting really super frustrating. And I've been doing my best to play without looking up strats on bosses. And this is the second time that I've been like, I have no idea how to beat this guy. Like, I'm just gonna look it up. Like, I, I, I have to look up like a tutorial video or something. So I found a tutorial video, and the answer was literally just don't stop attacking. Like, just run in and just attack as much as possible, as fast as possible, right. and you'll eventually break this guy's parry and get through. And I took him out on the next run. Wow. Yeah, I must have died to him 15, 20 times. <laughs> and then I watched one tutorial video and was like, oh, you just got to just beat the hell out of mm-hmm. him. Got it. Okay. And just ran in yep. and did it. You know, so it's like... Um, the way that you approach each enemy, each boss especially, is so different because unlike Bloodborne where it was like, or, or Dark Souls where it's so much about like parrying and uh, positioning yourself correctly, like that weighs into it as well. But even more so than that, I feel like a lot of the bigger enemies, a lot of the mini bosses and stuff have specific uh, weaknesses. Yeah. You know, like it's almost like an RPG where like fire is weak against water or ice is weak against fire something like that where each boss has like a specific like this boss you can take down a lot easier if you have the loaded axe or this boss is a lot easier if you have the fire barrel you and know? it's and, it's really cool how there's there's like people in the world who are just hanging out talking to each other and you can eavesdrop on them and they'll give you clues um, yeah. there's a lot of like i came into this game like all of us did with with FromSoft ptsd which was expecting uh, if you if you don't tiptoe around ledges you die instantly uh, every time like there's no training every time you get killed you lose everything you've ever had um, all that all that kind of stuff and what I found was something that is as difficult as the rest of those games but has a lot of the sort of I wouldn't say cheapness but it just has a lot of quality of life improvements that make the moment to moment a lot better you can fill up a meter uh, and basically get a point to upgrade your skill and nothing can take that from you which is insane. That's never happened before. Well, Usually, if like, you die, if you die, you lose half your experience. Yeah, but yeah. not if you have a point locked in already. Right. So Correct. that basically, you fill one meter, that meter is locked, and then you go to fill the next one, you lose half your experience from there. But even then, there's like a one in whatever your number chance is 
that uh, you'll get lucky. <laughs> right now, my percentage is seven. Yeah, yeah. it gets lower it and lower the more 30, you die. Right? Yeah, because yeah, you get this like yeah. dragon rot or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I love all that. I mean, the fact that there's a there's a guy there's a training guy in the game mm-hmm. that teaches you how to, how to fight. That's they've never done that. You know, because they don't they, tell you where he is. But <laughs> yeah, he's you know, there. You got to find him. I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. How much yeah. have you played? Uh, I don't know. I've sunk a few hours in. Um, God, I'm bad at games. Like really, really bad at games. And I'm I'm this one. I can't tell if I. First of all, it's an incredibly, it's a really good game. Like, I can just recognize that right off the bat, and I completely agree with everything, everything you said, Zach, about FromSoft. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I've completely fallen in love with Bloodborne, but it's also sort of instilled me with some habits that are hard to break when approaching mm-hmm. a game. Uh, and, I mean, it's weird because you have to be, you have to have both sort of sharp reflexes, but also be patient, which seem almost counterintuitive to oh, me. Yeah. Uh, this is an incredibly fast-paced game, but if you rush things, you'll get your ass handed to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I found that I was talking to you about this, Jonathan, but like the, the, my weird thing is like, I'm sort of impatient with things that should be done at like a fast pace, but not <laughs> too fast of a pace, which I guess is just sort of mashing buttons. Uh, you know, not, not just like blindly mashing, but mashing the same button. And, uh, yeah, it's like, you got to find your sort of the right cadence and like kind of approach things with sort of a good kind of confidence. Um, and it's also, it's strange to see, Stealth and completely wide open, fast paced reversal thrown in here. Yeah, yeah. The mobility of it really struck me. It's phenomenal. Yeah. There's there's an area that I'm in right now. I'm in this castle where uh, you can literally Spider Man around the castle. Yeah, like with the grappling hook, you can just chain grapples and and you don't have to touch the ground. It's, it's crazy, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I appreciate that too because it's like when you're grinding in Bloodborne, I feel like there's always the chance that a guy's gonna get hit you in the face with a shovel or like a pickaxe and kill you. Whereas in this game. Grinding's been really fun for me because I have memorized enemy locations and the exact amount of time it takes one of them to go, huh? And then he gets stabbed. And you can sneak up and chain basically and kill one in the back. And you can one hit almost every enemy in the game except for mini bosses, which is really cool because it makes it so when you're going through areas that you've been through before, you, it's not really tedious and you feel like there's a reward for it. And you can jam through them too. Yeah. Yeah. Like last night, the area that you're in now. I, I know that area so well that last night I just did it on loop like three or four times yeah. to get to that fifth level so I could buy that upgrade that you were talking about That's earlier. awesome. Yeah, and it's just like I was listening to a podcast and just jamming through this one area like four or five times. It was great. I really appreciate all of the like weird, mysterious, spooky horror stuff in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like headless demons and, you know, giant animals and there's also funny shit like giant fucking roof roosters that kill you oh those chickens are the worst there's this one area in the Harada castle where there's just like 15 chickens all hanging out and there's just dead bodies everywhere and you're like what did you guys do (laughs) and the first time I like came on one of I came up to one of those like I didn't know what it was. I just saw like this like weird, it looked like a coat mm-hmm. on like a cliff. And I walked up, I'm like, oh, is this like free clothes? From my... And it was just like, Rah! and jumped in the air, jump kicked me. It's like the crows in Bloodborne. Yeah. And it started clawing at my face. Uh, and then there's that weird, like in that one area, there's like a husband and wife chicken where you kill one of them. The other one runs out. He's like, what have you done? That was Harry. I didn't know they were husband. married. They're married. Yeah. Wow. There's rings on their head. Yeah. And you can find, you can find, when you kill one of them, you find the lore in the item. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, is there an audio log that yeah. you pull? <laughs> uh, They've been dating me, since high school. It took me a cool minute. You had to you have to like vacuum up the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I don't. Know you don't have to hold the button that hard, by the way. Okay. Like I I didn't I've know. I've just been mashing on it and just I don't. Yeah. probably not doing it the right pace. No, I was I playing did. that game I like did. fucking Luigi's Mansion for a while, where I was just like dun, 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 yeah. <laughs> sucking up. Oh yeah. You really only have to hold it down for like a second, and then it all comes to you. But it took me. Also, like. I, <laughs> 
they there there's no like there's no tutorials menu in there like there's no like help section which there's I was a training like, man i told you okay that's a man yeah that's like, a tutorial oh, again man. i haven't found it you go into the you go to the menu like and I, I know that it's sort of get good and figure it out and a lot of people have said like oh yeah read the read the digital tutorial for bloodborne it tells you things you should the game should have told you but it's like this is definitely I never did that that's yeah, a thing oh, i don't know you figured it out you talk to people no i i i, I wish i had done that yeah there's still like when i played bloodborne I'll get, I'll get an item and i'm and i'm like i don't know what that well, is well i mean that is that is straight up the beauty of FromSoft games is that they are they are dense and sort of opaque obtuse, yeah yeah opaque obtuse enough that they uh require you to talk to other people whether that's your friends in real life or strangers on the internet mm-hmm. who will give you different pointers and tell you stuff and you kind of compare notes about how things work and it is entirely recreating that sort of playground feeling of you know old games like Legend of Zelda or Castlevania or Ninja Gaiden where it's like what did you do here how did you do this yeah the three of us talked for 20 minutes yesterday in what felt like uh, like a probably less cursing but a, a version of like the conversations we would have had if we all went to middle school yeah mm-hmm. where, some, where Zach was like there's a fire castle and you can get a, yeah. you can get an axe and I'm like cool <laughs> yeah and I felt really cool because I'd found that but you didn't yeah I don't know why yeah I you saw your read. eyes light up you were like oh you haven't you haven't been to the <laughs> castle yeah um, it's it's weird though because what I love about uh, I love about Bloodborne and in what I've seen of Dark Souls, which I, I bought on Switch, and I sort of regret. <laughs> I that. just did it's, the same it's thing. Really, it's yes. really hard to. I own remastered on PS4 and played through it last year, and then today when I was uh, when I was playing uh, or last night when I was playing Sekiro, I was like, I could play Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got this like Goldilocks scenario though, where I've like sort of finally figured out Bloodborne, and uh-huh. I'm like, I'll check out Dark Souls. I'm like, this is too slow, and I get secure. I'm like, this is too fast. Yeah. <laughs> and I also still haven't finished Bloodborne, so I should probably just go play that. But yeah, uh, it I, is, the thing the thing is. Bloodborne is like it's fast and it I love the way you have to explore it. It has this like very labyrinthian feel to it. And like Dark Souls has kind of the same vibe. With Sekiro, it feels almost like cheating to be able to kind of jet around it. And there still are sort of hidden pathways. Yeah. Well, it's 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 crazy to me. Like there are so many hidden pathways. Mm-hmm. And and last night I was playing through an area that I was like, oh, this feels weirdly familiar. And then I turned a corner and realized that it's just the first area from the game, except it's been repopulated by different characters, huh. and like I just entered from a different side. I was oh, like, whoa. oh wow, how did I get back here? Like, yeah, it's there's, really wild. There's something I think with. I mean, people say like one of the things you need to get good at with FromSoft games is remembering where enemies are. Mm-hmm. Like that's just memorization, which I kind of adore because that's not that doesn't come down to reflexes. I'm good at memorizing things, but when you can just jet around so much, it feels like it almost you're less likely to sort of ingrain those those patterns in your head. Like if you're, I've I've had I've gotten turned around, mm-hmm. but not in that like, oh god, I'm lost. It's more like, wait, I overshot where I was going. Like right. I, I jumped off a big tower, and landed on a tree branch, and I'm like, wait, I oh, I'm back where I started. Mm-hmm. I do. And I feel like because of the speed of of the traversal, it makes me almost sort of impatient to like take my time with the enemies and grind. And there is know. a very specific tension in this game that I don't, I haven't necessarily felt in other games, uh, other FromSoft games. Part of that I think is because of the dragon rot. Like the more you die, the more people in the world get dragon rot and mm-hmm. elongates a quest later in the game where you have to like cure all these people. Right. So what? Yeah. So uh, that's, yeah. So the, the people in the world get dragon rot and you can beat the game without curing it, or you can go and figure out the way to cure it and, and fix all these people. But the more times you die, the more people in the world get it and the more people you have to seek out and cure. Right. right. So, uh, or that's my understanding so far. I, um, I've currently cured everybody, but then I went and fought like Juju, the drunken puker and, yeah. and, and yeah, died and so like 20 you, times. Yeah. So now they're Every all sick time again. that I die, I'm like, okay, I've died at least 25 times. So like, I, I understand that there's more people out there that yep. are getting the black lung and yeah. it's my fault. Like, yeah. You know what sucks about this game? 
they called it shadows die twice. They sh- that that's that's sh- yeah. Shadows die shit. at least sixteen times. Shadows <laughs> die infinite. Yeah. I do think it's awesome that you can die two times in this game. Sometimes three. Because yeah. the first time I got killed and it was just like wake up again and I was like wait what and like if you wait a minute a lot of the men in the game were just like we got him and they turn around and you're like haha and you that stab is, them in the back that is one of the coolest mechanics yeah. I feel like it is completely underselling like it's people haven't sort of I think wrapped their heads around it properly to it's, properly be like yeah it's like multiple layers of risk reward yeah. right? like it's really cool yeah, depending cool. on like when you decide to come back yeah, totally a mm-hmm. fight. Yeah, so I've played maybe three or four hours of it. I'm still very early, um, just getting through the Harada estate, like the first memory sort of thing. Played a little bit of the entry area, and I'm like kind of resigned to the fact that I will probably never play through a FromSoft game. Yeah. Um, there's there's this weird like the patience that you need to be able to deal with its pace, whether it's very slow or very fast or just right. Um, I feel like I don't have that patience currently because when I hit that wall and I'm like, I just keep dying and I just keep dying and I just keep dying. I have 10 other games I could play. Mm. I have 20 movies I could watch. Or I have all these things. Like I haven't gotten to the point in a FromSoft game yet where I feel that sense of reward yeah. for having fought through it. So you and I were texting about this this weekend, yeah. right? Like the actual real world dragon rod of playing a From Software game where you you play the same area or fight the same enemy so many times that you get actively worse because you're getting frustrated or your reflexes yep. are off. Yeah. Yeah. Every every boss you beat is a load of laundry. To do. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> but it's like the ability to, and this is something that hit me really hard on Saturday because I was trying to beat the second boss before I had fought the first boss. I just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to beat this boss for well over two hours. And then finally I was just like, I have to play something else or I have to do something else because like obviously what I'm doing here isn't working. Yeah. And so I took a break and came back the next day and upgraded some of my stuff and went back and fought that boss and did it in like two shots. And it's a different it's like a different story when yeah. when you do it because you feel like a different person. And like that's what's cool about this game is that it's in Bloodborne I I will grind and level up and I do this in Dark Souls too and I will dump a bunch of points into some stat and kind of hope for the best. Like I'm just sort of just like, oh, what's like our, what's arcane shoes? <laughs> we'll, we'll get those, I guess. And like the, at the end of the game, they're like, you're 14 points short to use like the, you know, the magical hat. And I'm like, I don't know what I did wrong. I always feel like I'm building the wrong character. Right. And then people have, are like, oh, did you know about the hard cap, soft caps that you can do? On, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is confusing for me. Whereas in, in this game, I can be like, Oh, uh, I unlocked a move that lets you do four stabs when you jump. And I'm yeah. like, I understand that. Sure. Yeah, and so th- there's like this quantifiable buildup. But also, you most- can pause it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most interesting part to me about Sekiro is like, this is the first FromSoft game where, like, you know, the meme around FromSoft is like, get good. <laughs> yeah. But this is the first game where, like, you actually really have to get good. Yeah. And uh, you can buy. 15 different move sets or, or ninja moves or whatever. But if you don't know how to utilize those, if you can't yep. look at the way your opponent is standing or, or see an opening in his attacks or whatever, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like you can launch that attack and still get your ass whooped, right? And there's no, since it's not um, online in the same way that the other games were. You know, like I, I have no qualms in saying, like the only reason that I beat Bloodborne the first time through was because I summoned somebody in to help me right. defeat that last boss. And there's bosses in Dark Souls where I did the same. That doesn't exist here. Yeah, you don't and, like, have that There's option a legitimate there. concern where I'm like, okay, I'm having this much trouble on boss number four. Yep. When I get to boss 12 or whatever, am I going to have the right stuff to like get actually like actually get past that yep. boss? So. Yep. And that, that sort of worry freaked me out with because I did die enough to get someone to have Dragon Rot. And I was like, 
oh, am I screwing my game over so much that I'm early enough? Should I just like restart the game? I, I like, did do that. Yeah. yeah, I did restart it. But then now so many people in my village have the rot that doesn't even. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, they got the rot, man. Uh, do you guys need to jet? Yeah, we got to go. Sure. Thank you, Brian and Zach, so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, nice anytime. Be back. Uh, before we continue the show, Max and I will. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm at Twitter, on, or I'm on Twitter at ZacharySD. And Brian? I'm at Agent Bizzle. Uh, and if you are in Boston for PAX East this weekend, come say hi. Come to our GameScoop panel. Um, it's on Thursday? It's Thursday. It's on thir- yes. Yeah. So this will be up by In then. one of the theaters. In one of the theaters, yeah. Anyway, You'll find thank it. Thank you guys so much. Love you. It. Bye. Max, I want to keep talking with you about Sekiro for a minute. Let's wait till they leave. Oh, you just want to... Go on, then. Get out, then, you rascals. I hate it. All right. So how do you really feel? Oh, man, I suck so much. (laughs) That's Um, my fear. I'm so bad at it. Here's the thing. I feel like this is a game... I'm, I'm like, really conflicted about it because I've, I've reached a few stopping points where I'm just... There's that scene in Superbad where Michael Sarah is, like, playing, like, Time Splitters or something, and he's like, why did... Why do they even make the game? Why do they even make the game? You can't, you can't play it. You can't win it. <laughs> he just like throws a controller, and I'm like, that's 100% how I feel. Yeah. Um, where I'm just like, first of all, it feels like it is difficult in ways that I am speci- specifically tailored to, for me to suck at it. Like Bloodborne, I definitely kind of sort of made my peace with and figured it out. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is hard. But at least like when I need to, I can call in one of the bloody buddies by ringing a funny <laughs> bell, and they come in and they you know do my They'll work help for you me. Out, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're using your lifeline. Uh, here, there's there's no option for that. And on top of that, like, the world of Bloodborne is fascinating to me. It's full of monsters and horrors and guys with pitchforks and stuff. And I'm just not into samurai stuff. Right, right. And playing it, I'm like, I, it's making me weirdly more excited for um, Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Because I'm like, I, there's a bunch of stuff. I like the monsters in Sekiro. I think, I'm, I don't I don't know, like, there's some of the architecture's cool, but, like, there's something that just doesn't grab me in there. Sure. But, I mean, like, the, the ballet of, like, swordplay, I feel like Ghost of Tsushima, like, the little gameplay we've seen will almost be, like, an easier version of Sekiro in some ways. Which is which is great, <laughs> Yeah, you know? like Because I'm, I'm totally with you where, like, yes, I'm fighting, getting killed by the same guy, like, yeah. nine times. And it's not even a boss. It's just, like, a man. Yeah. Yeah, there are just guys out in the world, and I'm like, I just can't get the timing yeah. down. And I'm like, I could go play The Division or Baba is You or watch a movie that I need to go or, like, play with my dog. Like, there, there are all these things, and I'm like... Is it okay to just give it up sometimes? Yeah, I feel like it probably is. I mean, the weird irony of a, of a series of games, or you know, not a series, but a bunch of games that are uh, sort of all about all about the redundant the, the the repetition of death is that you have to sp- spend some of your actual life getting good at them. Yeah, and I mean, if if like if I had a PlayStation and sixty bucks. I would, and I was like, and I, you're, I was like in jail or on an island or didn't have anything else going on. I'd be yeah. like, hell yes. But sinking more and more times in, in something like this, where it's not even, it's not even a time sink in like that. Oh, I'll go it's like, I mean, you could say like Red Dead or, or Breath of the Wild are time sinks because they're massive, huge, sprawling worlds. Uh, but it's a time sink that's um, like it's it's so it's so much about repetition and about precision. And some people are really into that, and I respect the hell out of that. Totally, yeah. It, uh, yeah. It's one of those things where like people on staff who love it or people people in the audience like when they love something like that, I so appreciate it and I can see why this game and FromSoft are well respected. I just don't think I will ever be able to like have the attention span to want to get good at them. Yeah. A friend of mine raised an interesting point which was that if they if they put button cues in as like a training wheels mode, 
Oh, yeah. It wouldn't actually change the difficulty of the fights, but it would make it a little bit easier to kind of parse what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, even if it was like a crazy fast button press thing, like that's one of those, that's like, that's that would be a UI thing. Yeah. That's like whenever this person's in this position, the little, you know, X pops up or whatever. Yeah, something like that I think would help me so immensely because it is that thing of like right now where I don't know how I'm going to have to react when I show up to a guy who I haven't seen before. And I don't feel the impetus to be like, let me learn how to deal with him first and then I'll do it. I'm just like, no, I just want to attack him. Like, why Why can't I just break his mm-hmm. parry and go? Like, it, There's something about like, I don't want to take the time to deal with this one guy because then I know I'm going to have to take the time to deal with another guy just in that same way. Yeah. And then probably get killed by a chicken when I'm not looking. Exactly. Um, and then, I mean, you always, you always kick yourself and you find out there's some stupid, obvious thing you should be doing exactly. from your friend. And yeah. then you're like, I mean, it's hilarious because like Zach and Brian and I had sort of almost we all cross-reference different things from each other that we should be working on or should be doing or whatever. I'm like, there's a training guy. And Brian's like, there's a a flashback sequence. Um, And it's just, I don't know. It's, it makes, that makes you want to go back to it. Yeah. Like it's almost like a a, a viral gameplay loop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always think of this with um, playing arcade games where, you know, you have 25 cents and you go and you pump it in there and you're like, I'm going to try this. And you, or even like a carnival game where you're like, I'm going to try to, you know, shoot the water gun at the clown's mouth and blow up the balloon fastest. And you do it at the time and you get the pressure on and there's this sort of panic to go with it. And then you go away from it. And while you're, I'm not always thinking about carnival games, but like in your head, you're sort of passively being like, how do I do better at that next time? And you might go and still screw it up again, but there's this kind of like, like you're thinking about what you did wrong. And I think that that's what gets it's hooks into so many people with yeah, soft games. That's fair. Um, so do you think like, cause obviously you've continued with bloodborne. I know you were saying like the setting of Sekiro doesn't inherently interest you in the way that something like bloodborne does. Do you think like having those conversations, are you going to want to keep going back to Sekiro? Do you see yourself like hitting a wall and just saying, forget it with it or. I don't know. I don't think I've hit the wall quite yet. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll see how I feel in coming weeks because there's other stuff coming out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I want sort of a more passive time sync, there's, you know, days gone to mess with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, I also still. I've got this feeling where I'm like, I'm far enough into Bloodborne where I want to finish that, and that's that's a lot of work. And it's also. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it's it's. I will be legitimately impressed with myself if I finish Bloodborne by 2021. Really? Because I go through I go through phases, and this isn't just with blood with a game that are difficult. Like I did the same thing with. Uh, I think I did it with Red Dead. I did it with. Um, I, I I reach a point where I just need to stop because I'm sick of it. Yeah. Like it's like when you get two-thirds of the way through a burrito and you're like i'm saving the rest for later and it's just too big it's just there's too much there i did it with witcher i did it with phantom pain some of my favorite games ever where i'm just like i had to put it down walk away do something else um you know for like a matter of weeks or months and then and i always feel like a scrub because i come back and i'm like you know it'll be (laughs) like the fact that i'm like hey guys i'm back into bloodborne everyone's like hey it's 2019 that game is five years old what are you talking about (laughs) but even still it's it's totally one of those things for me too i wish games had like a really great succinct like previously on but of like mechanics oh yeah here's what you need to do in order to be good at the game and again because you played 100 hours dude i jump back into breath of the wild and i have no idea how to play that game yeah i i never finished breath of the wild i got halfway through like Mm -hmm. the divine beasts if i go back to it and i want to i'm just gonna restart because like i think it's a smarter idea yeah you know you you retrain yourself yeah you get the adventure a little bit more. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't see myself. I don't see myself spending the time to complete Sekiro in the, it, as needed. I'm yeah. also curious. It's an Activision published game. They are. Yeah. Um, I mean, they make some of the best selling games in the world. Like they are sort of known for being like, what do people want? 
I'm wondering if they will patch in a difficulty shift in any way or any kind of accessibility thing, um, or if they were kind of rolling the dice being like, how does an incredibly punishingly... Because I would say the skill set required to play something like um, to get good at, at Sekiro and, and complete it is the same as like... I don't know, like finishing or not finishing, but like prestiging Call of Duty. Like, yeah, yeah, like the masters of Call of Duty. Exactly, there is a skill level there I will never attain. Yeah, I mean they have. I mean, even with like Blackout and stuff, like that yeah. requires you to be good at a game. And yes, a bunch of the people you're playing are 13 year olds, but like you know, there's still like somebody in there who's much better than you, most likely. Yeah, it's um, fascinating to me. Like you were saying, its place in Activision's catalog because like right now, if you take out, they don't have Destiny anymore. Mm-hmm. They have Call of Duty, obviously, and that will continue in perpetuity. They have Sekiro now. And then they have, they made some remakes of Crash and Spyro, but maybe probably won't make more new yeah. ones. Like, I mean, we think of Activision as a, as a publisher as being sort of the most sort of accessible and casual stuff out there. I would say, um, you know, you think like, you think Call of Duty, you think Skylanders, you think yeah. like, I mean, and they're, they're, you know, Blizzard is part of them, you know, yeah. like it's... And King is owned. Oh, yeah. No, too. Candy so, yeah, Crush. Candy yeah. Crush so like they there. make arguably the most casual games on the planet and then suddenly they buddy up with the get good company yeah so it's an odd choice yeah i'm crazy i'm curious to see the life it has because obviously like the critical acclaim has been great for it but yeah i'm very curious there's a lot of people in this office who absolutely love it and then there's some people like me who are like "Ah, i'll accept that other people love it and i'll Mm -hmm. play something else for now yeah but it's exciting to see it's good stuff yeah uh moving on is there anything else in the world of playstation going on you want to talk about it's just you and i in the room yeah yeah they just bailed on us they had to go what are are they ranking like the top Uh, top 25 switch games oh okay yeah and so we have to rank the top 25 ps4 games Uh, do we yeah top 24 we don't get do we see top (laughs) (laughs) Um, 25 i don't know those are always weird because we do these weird checkups we had somebody tweeted us the other day who was like, "Hey, I just got a PS4. I've only I've only had Nintendo consoles since 2007. What have I missed?" And I'm like, "A lot. There's been a lot of games. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It, like, it's always fun ranking them. And we did the last ranking when you were gone, so we put Kiwami one on the list. As yeah. Like, oh, we'll give it to you. But then you're like, Kiwami and I yelled at you guys. Yep. And everyone's like, Zero's better. And I'm like, You're right. And then people, I don't know. It's yeah, a it, long story. It's always fun to do. But those lists change. We do them, I think, every six months or so. So there yeah. will be an update coming soon. And yeah. And Look if forward to that. you, dear listeners at home, are ever stuck with a new system and don't know where to start with things, go check out one of those lists because they are updated and maintained. Yes, yeah. We very much keep them, even after a little bit of the life of the console, mm-hmm. to do like final lists. Uh, moving on, want to move on to another memory card segment. Uh, we have one from another listener of the show. And again, thank you so much. A lot of people have been sending in. You can send them to beyond at IGN.com. Please put memory card in the subject line so I know what they're actually relevant to. But thank you to everyone who's been sending them, sharing personal stories of their lives. Really appreciate it. That's obviously what we want the segment to be about. Uh, And this week's we have from a listener named Tyler who wrote in. Max, would you like to read Tyler's letter? Sure. Hey, folks. So my memory might come across sad, but believe me, it's a good memory of mine. Growing up, I was very much into Twisted Metal. I played literally every single one. Absolutely loved the franchise. Well, when I was about 10, my parents went through a real nasty divorce. My mom walked out of on us, and I wouldn't hear from her, t- or I wouldn't hear from her 12 years later. Uh, my dad was left to care- take care of three kids. During this difficult time, my dad decided to take me to the mall, just him and I. We walked by an EB Games. I saw a huge poster with half the face of Sweet Tooth plastered over a black banner with the words Twisted Metal Black written across. I never read gaming magazines at the time, so I had no idea what was coming out. This was such a surprise to me and my dad. And my, oh, to me and my dad clearly saw it in my eyes how happy I got. He said to me along the lines of, 
I need to get something in here. I was so confused because why would he need something in there? He doesn't play games. Sure enough, he bought a copy of Twisted Metal Black and gave it to me. One of the greatest memories with my dad and this franchise, even though the game was extremely dark, it definitely made me happy. Sorry for the rant, but hope you enjoyed this story. Holy crap, that's adorable. Yeah, I love that. I I love the idea of like a dad being like, I need to get something in here. Like that's all he could come up with on the spot. Yeah. (laughs) was just this vague. I love that. It's like, I have to go in here. No, that's, um, I would say that's the sweetest thing about Twisted Metal. (laughs) Like that is that is seriously sweeter like, than sweet tooth. Sweeter than sweet tooth. No, that's like that's that's adorable. Um, yeah, I had a, I had a story. I feel like I don't know. Should I, I? I could save it for another time. We can if you want to. Yeah. Um, no, I have like a. I have just such a sort of love affair with Metal Gear. Yeah. Um, that goes back. Like I, I've thought about um, those uh, those like boss fight books series. Yeah. I've thought about like trying to write one for Metal Gear Solid Five. I feel like it's a weird thing to just sort of contemplate in a podcast, <laughs> but like not so much even the sort of a technical breakdown of it or like a deep dive, but like a memoir associating sort of surrounding it and just the. Um, no, screw it. I'll talk about Metal Gear. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Metal Gear, I don't, I don't even remember the first time I sort of encountered it, but my best friend uh, Chris uh, had it, and he was like really into it, and I just remember sort of you know like you hear words that just sort of sound. You know, you're like you get used to hearing them. Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid, and I was like, I never thought about like what does that mean? What does the, the namesake mean? I didn't know any other Metal Gear games. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, it just hooked me, and I was just getting into anime at the same time. So like this intersection of like cyborg ninjas and like sort of American movie aesthetics, and like the fact that it was like I was I was like super into uh, I was really into like military hardware as a kid. Like okay. I was watched a lot of action movies and was like really <laughs> into that whole thing and. For them to be like, yeah, this is sort of like The Rock, except there's like animal-themed superheroes. I mean, it's sort of like anime-infused G.I. Joe kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I gradually, I think I like started sort of watching him play it as like he was in the middle of the game. And I got increasingly invested and sort of did my my own research. And I think I started my own file and started screwing around. was terrible at the game because I'm bad at games. Um, but messed around. And then uh, kind of just got really into it myself and started like my, my, at the time I think I think I was saving up to buy a PS1 but my mom was super anti-violent video games so she wouldn't let me get anything rated M for mature mm-hmm. um, especially something that was about military stuff and <laughs> guns and things even though you like you were into it as a kid was that just like self-interest or did you have um, toys and stuff or I had so I managed to get like you mean like Metal Gear stuff? Or, or no, or I just, just mean like military. military. It, I like was, if she didn't I would, want like guns. So that's, that was the weird loopholes. I would check out like books from the library about okay. it. Um, there was an eyewitness book about special military forces equipment that weirdly enough reminded me when the Phantom Pain came out, the whole weird menu of like gun customization and like paint your Jeep pink and, you know, pick out new camo outfits mm-hmm. was so reminiscent of that that it felt like specifically this is a game made for like fifth grade me. <laughs> um, and it's, I don't know. So I would I would read you know read up on Harrier jets and like you know submachine guns and gotcha. watch True Lies repeatedly and stuff like that. And then um, you know I was in a, you know I would like, draw pictures of like you know high tech gear and robots and crap like that in my mm-hmm. notebooks. And so Metal Gear became like my big fixation, and I would just had to play it at my friend's house basically. Uh, and then we heard murmurs of a sequel. Um, and to this day, I don't think I've ever been as excited for a game as Metal Gear Solid Two. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was. I think it was like the summer before, it been right after freshman year, um, and I did like I was you know getting more and more into anime and and you know into Gundam models and stuff. And I think like the summer I was at I was at camp, the trailer for Metal Gear Solid Two dropped, and this was like this was like 
early on going on IGN.com. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, you saw it via, like, a small QuickTime yeah, video like a or tiny whatever. QuickTime yeah. file. Um, and my friend had, like, cable internet, so we managed to, like, download a, a high-res, you know, probably 480p <laughs> video of it. Yeah. Um, and then we had to, like, install DivX to watch it. Um, and we would just watch it like repeatedly. And this, that was all stuff from like the tanker level. Um, and before I went away to summer camp, I bought this issue of, uh, PSM PlayStation magazine that had the Joe Madera cover of, uh, snake and Olga Gerlukovich and like revolver ocelot on it. And I would just, I obsessed over that article. Like I just like, I looked at all the screenshots and I remember, um, I remember I had a I had a CD of like burn music, and I remember sitting on a bench at my my artsy fartsy summer camp um, with my disc man, listening to the ending theme of Metal Gear Solid One <laughs> and drawing fan art of Snake, and like going into the computer lab and getting yelled at for printing out pictures of like Yoji Shinkawa artwork and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got back from summer camp, and I was actually moving to California. This was I was in Connecticut at the time. Um, I got back from camp and it was sort of this like sad end of the summer where my mom was like, yeah, we got to pack up. We're going, we're leaving. Um, and I was like, can I, can I spend the night at Chris's like one last time? And, uh, so I went over to his house and, you know, we we're just like, what should we, what should we do? And he's like, let's, let's beat, let's beat Metal Gear, dude. Let's just like power through. Let's pull an all nighter. And so we put in Metal Gear and we sat down and we played through the entire game. Oh, wow. And at about, I think my mom was coming to pick me up to literally drive to California that day at probably like eight in the morning or something to get an early head start. Uh, it's like four thirty five in the morning. It is God. dawn, and we are bashing our heads against Metal Gear Rex. Um, and my friend had one of those like off-brand, not PlayStation controllers, like a Nyko. It was some yeah, like yeah, a Mad, Mad Cats, Cats or yeah. something. And he's. <laughs> just bashing his head we're just exhausted we've been eating junk food all night and he's fighting rex and he just dies and we i heard that stupid like gray fox uh cut scene was like after zanzibar and he just like takes a controller and just one handed just hurls against the wall and it explodes oh. into like a million pieces plugs in a second controller beats him first try it burns at <laughs> the end of the game I pro- probably cried or something, yeah. but it just ended. I got in the car and then drove to California. And then that was uh, like August 2001. And Metal Gear Solid 2 was coming out in November oh, 2001. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I was like super into it. The the one, of the one of the first things I ever pre-ordered was the McFarlane Toys Solid Snake figure mm-hmm. because I, I didn't have – at that point I had a PS1, but I didn't have a PS2, so yeah. I couldn't play it. And I had – uh, this other friend who did have a PS2, and we like bonded over geeking out about video games and stuff. And I was like, "Dude, you got to get Metal Gear Solid 2 when it comes out." And he's like, "Ah, oh, is it? What's it about?" And I was like, oh, it's, it's, "Yeah, it's give me a minute." Um, and so like we ran it, and he was like, you know, he's a nice kid, but he wasn't like we weren't into the same stuff really. Like he was like a casual weeaboo pretty much. Mm. Um, and we. I went over to his house and we rented it. And I remember just like being like, holy crap, like looking at the manual and the car in the car to his house. We popped it in and we played through all the tanker stuff, which I knew like the back of my hand because we played the the tanker mission demo a whole bunch. Yeah. Um, and we get to like the riding stuff and I'm like, what is any of this? And I think I wound up just being like sort of overwhelmed and like I just like started crying and he was like, dude, what's like what's wrong? Like what's wrong with you? I don't. I don't think it was specifically like the the ride and twist. It was more just like I don't. I don't know. Something. Something that just hit me, and it was just like yeah. I was just like immensely homesick, and I missed my best friend. And this kid was like, he was you know he's a nice kid, but we just, you know, just didn't. We weren't like it best. wasn't the yeah, same. It wasn't the yeah. same. Um, 
And so I didn't, I just kind of didn't, I didn't play Metal Gear Solid 2 when it first came out because I didn't have any means to. And, you know, he played it and he's like, it was cool, I guess. And I was like, you don't have any appreciation for this. <laughs> um, and then the following summer, um, my best friend came over, came to stay with me. He came to stay for like th- three weeks and just screw around. And he packed his PS2 in his bag. And the first thing we did, the first night he was there, was just pop in Metal Gear Solid 2 mm-hmm. and burn through it in one night. Um, and yeah, we, it was it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. And that- it was, yeah. That's like why it's sort of cemented as like my favorite game ever. Yeah, it's I, just. I mean, there's like so much. Probably a therapist could have like a field day with just like the act of like playing that game the night that you're leaving to go move across. The oh country yeah, and completely change your life. Like that's obviously such like a transfixed moment for you. Yeah, and I can understand so much why you love that series. To yeah, something you do, and it's. I mean, it's it's funny now because like he's sort of um, my buddy Chris. I, he was you know hung out with him this this last summer, and mm-hmm. um, now I'm like more into games than he is like the joke i always said was like he had he had video games and i'd go to his house to play his games and i always had like more toys and lego and stuff and he wound up uh he wound up getting a job um doing the like cartoon illustrations on like lego boxes and like doing like you know little like lego web comics and stuff and i wound up talking about video games for a living i'm like did we get like freaky friday yeah you swapped when you moved across country or something Yeah, yeah but it's uh yeah. That's amazing. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. Of course, yeah. It. I'm glad you decided to talk about it. Yeah. No, I mean, Metal Gear was sort of my entry point into into video games and anime, and that was that's a huge, you know, fundamental part of my, my life. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm, it'll be interesting to see what the hell Death Stranding is. Yes. When, <laughs> when that game finally comes out at some yeah. point, maybe we'll find out about it in a state of play. Hell yeah. Uh, anyway, Max, thank you so much for sharing that. And if you would like to write in with a memory of yours related to your PlayStation history, remember you can write in at beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card, and we'll be sure to read some of those on the show each week. Before we wrap up, just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, if you do have other questions that you want to write into the show for Rapid Fire, obviously with uh, the state of play and Sekiro this week, didn't have too much time for those, but you can write in at beyond at IGN.com. Please put Rapid Fire in the subject line so I know what it's related to and don't think it's a random PlayStation memory. Uh, also because, obviously, now we are an audio show. If you didn't know about that, uh, you can find us on basically any podcasting app that you use. You can find us on Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, a whole host of other services. If you're listening to us on there, please be sure to rate us and subscribe to us. Uh, it really helps the show out, especially now that we're like a decade old, the show itself. Those feeds have been sitting around for quite a while. Oh, yeah. Help us beat Car Talk on the charts. Other than that, uh, as Brian mentioned, he's going to be at PAX East this weekend. We do have a PAX East IGN panel that's going on, but in addition to that, we'll be covering everything big that comes out of that show. Obviously, Gearbox won't stop teasing things, so we'll probably have Borderlands 3 to talk about next week. And for reference... I think it's going to be Duke Nukem forever and ever. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Forever after. They they would do that. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, We also, uh, because the show is recorded on Tuesday and posted on Wednesday, we will probably have missed the announcement of PlayStation Plus free games for April, so we'll talk about that next week. Uh, but other than that, Max, where can people find you? On- I'm just Max Scoville on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to see my Gundam models, I'm still building. They're over on my Instagram. All of, uh, all of the model work you've been doing is amazing. Thank you. I love I'm actually I'm building a Metal Gear right now. Oh, okay, yeah, very yeah. Cool. Like from um, scratch or from? No, there's a there's a there's model. a kit. Um, oh, okay. A friend of mine got it and was like, I have no idea what to do with this. And I was like, I'll help. And so uh, <laughs> I'm building a Sahelanthropus. Oh, awesome! I'm excited yeah. to see it uh, fully come together. Uh, and I am at J.M. Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me there to obviously be talking about Kingdom Hearts and uh, my my good pup, Loki. Hell yeah. That's a, that, a good dog. He's pretty great. Plug his Instagram. Uh, his Instagram is at Loki God of Cute. Nice. So you can find him there. Uh, we haven't been posting recently because he was a little sick for a week or two, but he's on the up and up. He's all good now. So we'll be posting a lot more there. 
Anyway, this has been Beyond Episode 584. My name is Jonathan Dornbush. I am your host, and I am joined by Max Goville. Last survivor of the Nostromo signing off. Thank you so much.